welcome to the Drunk Dietitians podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. We are. There we go. The only reason we're starting this episode with that chant is because our guest today, Lauren Cadillac, otherwise known on Instagram as Feel Good Dietitian, hails from Penn State. She lives in New York City, used to live in Hoboken. So we feel like Jenna, myself, and Lauren are all basically the same person. What is it? Um, seven degrees of separation? Six yeah. Whatever it is. Like it's 15 of our degrees are all connected. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we all hate dieting and love intuitive eating. So it was a great episode today. But, you know, this episode, I, Jenna, I feel like you and I said thank you to her like 500 times. But I really like want to just say it one more time. It's like, Thank you to Lauren for sharing her story with us. Um, she comes from a bodybuilding background, and we know that eating disorder and disordered eating behaviors run rampant in that community. Um, so she really shared that story with us and how she ended up to be feel-good dietitian and all things intuitive eating. I was really looking forward to this conversation is exactly what I would call it for a while now because her story is so relatable and it's so authentic. And I think that if you've listened to any episodes of our podcast, um, you need to listen to this one because this one will connect with you in a different way for every single person that listens, whether it's the fitness relation or the relationship piece that she talks about or her relationship with food um, and just the mental health aspect of food and nutrition and you know her strong beliefs now in that feel good air quotes mentality um, is very powerful. And I personally can relate to pretty much all of it. <laughs> and it was just really nice to hear her share it and be so honest and just give all of us listening a little inside look at really what bodybuilding can do or the impact it can have on somebody. Um, and she was lucky enough to really get out of it in a safe way, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah. And be able to help thousands of others do the same. So 55,000 on Instagram, baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. She is definitely a viral sensation and, and just so well-spoken and, um, just so well-versed in intuitive eating. So without further ado, we'll jump right in to Lauren's episode. 
Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Today we have an Instagram sensation with us today. She's officially <laughs> verified on Instagram. Um, but, party. <laughs> yes, um, we have registered dietitian and certified personal trainer Lauren Cadillac here. You guys might recognize her on Instagram as Feel Good Dietitian. She is an, a certified intuitive eating counselor and she has an amazing story that we're going to share. Um, very soon. So thank you so much, Lauren, for being here with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to start chatting about this stuff. <laughs> there goes the ASMR. <laughs> I love, I, we need to like have a high quality microphone for that. But um, so before we, we intro, Jenna, you take it away with some rapid fire. I was just going to say, I hope that you guys don't hear my voice at all today because I just want to be a sponge and like listen. Um, but besides <laughs> that, we're going to start with the rapid fire and then I'll go quiet. So we do just like, I'm sure you've heard this before, but the first thing that comes to your mind, ready, set, coffee or tea? Coffee. Wine or beer? Wine. Tequila or vodka? Ooh, equal. <laughs> I love it. It is the week of Cinco de Mayo still, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> snow or sand? Sand. Hard boiled egg or runny egg yolk? Ooh, uh, drippy eggs. Dippy Same. eggs or whatever, Same. yeah. I mean, Same. I do both, but <laughs> I do like that one. Um, all right, how about ice cream or cookies? How about ice cream between two cookies? I love that. <laughs> we have those, like, I don't know if you guys go to Trader Joe's, but they have, like, these ice cream sandwiches, like those chip witches with the things. Oh, my gosh, they're so good. So we're ordering this still during COVID-19 times, and Trader Joe's is the one place, like, the second the line is not out the door, I will be there. <laughs> like, yeah. I miss the most right now. <laughs> no, I know. But honestly, once you get inside, at least that's just how it is in the city. It's like normally when you're inside, it is such chaos. So it's almost like I'd rather wait online and then be free in the store and be like, no one's <laughs> around me and I can actually shop. Exactly. <laughs> it's actually kind of nice, but it is pretty crazy there. Um, yeah. All right. So peanut butter time, smooth or crunchy? Crunchy. Yes, two for two over here. Um, and last question, if you could have anything in the world in limitless quantities except for money, what would it be? Hmm. Oh, that's a good one. It doesn't come as fast to me. <laughs> um, anything in the world in limitless quantities, could it be time? Yeah, yes. that's a great one. Have, we haven't heard that yet, have we? If maybe it was like time with loved ones yeah. or something, but I think time in general, I think is that covers all the bases. Covers <laughs> everything. everything. When Sam introduced, she did not mention that the three of us right now are all Penn State grads. And I know we I've are. had some Penn State grads reach out to me and be like, oh my God, I'm so excited to hear. So today you have three in one Penn State in the house. So exciting. <laughs> I also miss that place so much. I wonder if football season will happen. TBD. Probably not this year. I know, right? <laughs> but anyways, as Sam was mentioning before, we're really excited to have you on here. And honestly, would love to just learn more about you and maybe giving our listeners a little background on how the Feel Good Dietitian came to be, the transition from before. I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you give it all. And I'm just going to listen. I should probably just mute uh, myself for the rest of this combo. Or make some like nice noises in the background. I'll hold up signs. Like, yes. I love it. <laughs> okay. So I feel like it might, I'll try to condense it as much as possible, but oh. it all started when I was like, 
I don't know how old you are, like when you're freshmen. So freshman year of high school, maybe it was sophomore year, I just became obsessed with calories. Like I remember telling my friends, like, do you, do you know how many calories are in these carrots? Do you know how many calories are in this yogurt? Like I just became obsessed with it. And I would get up super early in the morning and I would work out before school. I'd count my calories. I'd eat a very, very low amount of calories. Um, and then I'd come home after school and I'd work out again. So I was never really diagnosed with anything, but looking back, it was definitely like anorexic like tendencies. Um, and it's interesting when I look back, cause like I was the smallest child of all time. Like you look at home videos and it looks like, like, so small. <laughs> it didn't look like I was sick almost. So it's interesting to me to look back and be like, I wonder kind of like why that started. And I think part of, part of it was, you know, you're awkward when you're 14 years old, like people were having boyfriends and I was this like scrawny little thing. And I, I think it was two things in that. Like I thought maybe boys didn't like me because I still wasn't skinny enough. But I think most of what it was, was kind of just like a cry for attention. My mom had um, my brother when I was 12 and my sister was 15. So obviously she was super busy with that. I've always been someone that, um, as we'll see further down my story, <laughs> someone that um, liked attention and wanted people to like, look at me and notice me. And I thought that if I got skinny enough, people would, um, you know, show their concern or whatever. It was a cry for attention. And that's not to say like my parents didn't show me attention or didn't take care of me, but I think I just kind of craved a little bit more. Um, then through high school, I ended up, I had a boyfriend. I like went on birth control. So I kind of gained some weight. I kind of got boobs or whatever. I kind of filled out a little bit <laughs> and it kind of just like kind of took care of itself. Sort of. I remember one day I was like, you know what, I'm just going to eat pizza. And then after that, I was like, good. And then I went to Penn State and, you know, as good as I thought I was, there was always that, like, I would use my fitness pal and I would track this and I would, you know, try to, I, I don't know if you guys had to do this in one of your nutrition classes, but where you had to build a sandwich and then like add up all the calories and the protein and the carbs. Did you yes. guys have to do that in one of your classes? Yes. Was like, why was that an exercise? <laughs> We've interviewed someone before that said that that class, the equivalent of that class in her school was what sparked her eating disorder. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the heck? I look back, I'm like, that is so bad. But so I was always using my fitness palette. I was always very self-conscious about my body. I didn't like how it looked always through college, but like Penn State was great. I had fun, went out, didn't hold me back. Um, then after I graduated, I started doing paleo. I lost some weight from doing that. You know, throughout all these years, I tried pretty much everything there was like the cookie diet or the master cleanse or all of those ridiculous things. Um, and then basically I got to this point where I, you know, I graduated from Penn state. I had done my dietetic internship. I was working in the clinical setting and it wasn't fulfilling to me. I didn't enjoy it really. <laughs> so my friend at the time was a personal trainer and he was like, why don't you get into, why don't you try bodybuilding out? It might take your career in a different direction. So I did, I started competing in 2014 and I did two local shows in August and October. And then I went down to Miami and I did a national show and then bodybuilders, you know, you have your off season where you have to eat more and you have to put weight on. And in December and January, when I had to do that, it was like way too much for me to handle. Like I had finally had this like perfect body that I always wanted. I got so much 
um, recognition and people were like, what did you do? And people were talking to me and I got all this attention from it. And I was like, if I have to gain weight, I'm going to go back to being how I was and I'm going to lose all that. I'm going to go back to being normal. And I didn't want that. And it kind of just like really freaked me out. And I started every time I would try to eat a little bit more to put some weight on, I would freak out and I would end up purging. And now I know that I don't think it was necessarily that the belief of, oh no, people aren't going to accept me. It was more like my body's way of being like, you're binging because you've just been starving yourself for so long. And then the purging was kind of in response to those thoughts. So that kind of went on throughout my bodybuilding career. And it's funny because at the second show that I did, I met someone who I would then go on to have a relationship with for a couple of years. And it was kind of tumultuous and not the most stable or healthy thing. But it was funny because I remember crying my eyes out in bed to him being like, I just purge. I don't know what to do. And his, he was a bodybuilder as well. And his recommendation was always like, why don't you just start prepping for another show? Let's do another show, another goal to work towards, which like now I'm like, that'll make it better. <laughs> do the thing that caused in the first place. Like perfect. Great idea. So anytime I had a goal, you know, us dietitians, we're all type A, we have, we are laser focused. <laughs> so once I had a, um, a show picked out, I was perfectly fine. Um, for the most part, I would be able to like stick to my stuff. I'd follow everything. I weighed and measured everything that I ate for years. Um, I did a couple more shows. I actually did a show in Pittsburgh that year. Um, I won the overall. I went down to South Carolina. I won my class and I, I missed going pro by one person out of like 50 people in my class. And then I had to go against like seven other classes and I was so devastated. But looking back, I'm like, it probably saved my life. I probably would have ended up in the hospital or something. But anyways, um, I did all of these shows and the more that I did it, and as I'm sure you guys see, it was like the more people diet, the less of, uh, what's the word? The harder it is to do, basically, like the first diet you do, it feels easy, it feels exciting. And then the more you continue to diet, it just gets harder and harder. And that's kind of what I found was every time I'd have to take the weight back off, it got harder to you know lose weight again. I started gaining weight in different places. Obviously, like the binging and purging was a huge issue. Um, and then what really like what really got me out of this was um, I actually went on vacation with that person I was speaking with before. We went away to Jamaica and um, when I got back the next morning, I woke up to a picture of him and who I thought was his ex-girlfriend, like as if I was hugging him and taking a picture like this, I woke up to that picture and I was like, oh, I just, we were just on vacation together. Like we were going to move in together. Uh, you know, we had just picked out a car, you know, we were going to get like matching tattoos, all this stuff. Like I thought this was the person I was going to marry. And I woke up that morning and turns out he had been dating someone else for like the entire time and not just the entire time like he was dating her before we even started dating so it was like my relationship with him is like makes complete sense why my relationship with food was the way that it was you know and as soon as that left my life and I was kind of at, we had broken up times before that but like that was kind of obviously the straw that broke the camel's back I was like okay well I can't go back now right like we make excuses for people throughout different relationships but that to me was like okay obviously i continue to be with this person so um actually like within a month i met my fiance my now fiance 
who also went to Penn State, who's oh. in Sig Chi. He's older. You might know him, Jenna. Do you know Nick Barone? Wait, that name He's sounds so familiar. Super Italian. Okay. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. So I met him actually, and um, when we first started dating, I was still on the fence. Like I still wanted to compete, and he was like, "I don't understand why you would do something that could potentially harm your body." And I was like, "I know that's so logical." <laughs> why would I do that and so he played such a huge role in being this like level-headed voice of reason in my recovery where like everything was so black and white before that it was like all or nothing I was bodybuilding or you know I was off the wagon or binging or purging or whatever it was it was such chaos and black and white and he just was so calm and level-headed and just really had a big part in like helping me become the person I am today. Um, you know, we started dating. I started, uh, I learned about what intuitive eating was. That was obviously like the biggest part of my recovery was going through that process myself. Um, but obviously his support was very helpful too. So now obviously like I use everything that I've learned in my own experience and my recovery with intuitive eating and, and help other people kind of do the same. So, um, did that do a good job explaining my story? <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I mean, I, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes. <Of course. laughs> it's so funny because I feel like I know so many women who, and I have one person in particular I'm thinking of who was also in a very toxic relationship and how it's so interesting that the relationship with food and the relationship with that person, it's just like the same exact thing just in a different type of relationship and once you can free yourself from that or you know the other toxic energy that you have in your life that you're able to make space for this kind of healing energy you know yeah thank you as jenna said <laughs> just for being just for being so open and vulnerable and i had no i mean i knew a, i felt like i knew a little bit of your story going into today especially your your background in bodybuilding and whatnot but i had no idea about the relationship and so thank you for being so open and just sharing that with us and i think so many women or men can relate to being in a relationship that doesn't serve or honor them um, whether it's physically or mentally um, emotionally so um yeah it's, it's huge. And so if you don't mind expanding for us, of course it wasn't like, oh, you just like read about intuitive eating and poof, now you're an intuitive eating dietitian. So if you can kind of share with us a little bit more detail of like how you were exposed to intuitive eating, what yeah. drew you to it, um, and, and just a little bit more of that transition. Sure. So I actually was working with, so when I broke up with this person, I started going to therapy because obviously it was pretty traumatic. <laughs> so um, I started going to therapy and one of the, I had a couple different therapists trying to find the person that worked for me, but she had introduced me to cognitive behavioral therapy. She gave me this like CBT book that I thought was really helpful. Um, and then actually this girl, Nikki, that I did my dietetic internship with, she um, texted me one day and she's like, Hey, I'm going to this retreat up in Vermont at uh, Fox it's called Green Mountain at Fox Run. Have you guys ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. um, it's basically like a retreat center where people can go and live for a couple of weeks and they learn all about the things that we now teach. But um, it was basically a weekend for dietitians and therapists to introduce them to this type of approach. So obviously when I went, I was like, and I think everyone has this reservation. It's like, so we should just tell people to eat French fries. Like, 
that seems really healthy. Like I remember thinking that and now I'm just like, now every time someone comments on one of my Instagram posts, I'm like, oh, I thought this too. So I get why you're saying this. Yeah. But, um, so that was really my first introduction to it. And when I left, they had given us a bunch of books to read, um, eat what you love, love what you eat for binge eating, obviously the intuitive eating book, health at every size. And I've always been that kind of person where I just want to like fix everything. So I feel like this, I just posted something about this yesterday, how I felt like dieting and my body was like my life's journey to try to fix and I was like let me I have to take care of this like this can't possibly be how I'm meant to be in my whole life so I just immersed myself in everything I read as much as I could I started following all the people on Instagram like I just tried to I had this like purging moment of like purging my past of like this is kind of random but I saw a lot of piercings I was like the most opposite <laughs> I had like so many ear piercings, other piercings. And I just remember when that happened with um, my ex-boyfriend, I was like, I need a fresh start. And I need to like, everything from that is so toxic and triggering and, and negative to me that I need to just like start completely fresh. So I took out all my piercings <laughs> and that was my secret. No, I'm just kidding. But I feel like it was very much this like, I'm diving head first into it and I'm going to do as much as I can. And then I, you know, the intuitive eating process, obviously is you have the group supervision and I did that. I think I started in like 2018 maybe, but that was still very much like me figuring things out for myself, you know? And then the more that I got into it, the more you're just like, once you learn about it, you can't unlearn it. You can't go back. You know, sometimes diet culture pulls you back in and tempts you but like once you know this information and you know the studies and you know what life's like when you don't think this way like you don't want to go back you know so it was very much like a slow process for me which i is one of the reasons why i always tell people i think it's helpful to work with someone because i always think back and i'm like if i just worked with someone for like a couple of months i could have expedited this process so much faster like i remember when i first started doing intuitive eating i was also doing keto and i look back i'm like what <laughs> I don't even know how you so do that. <laughs> it was intuitive keto. Like, well, the, the reason I the reason I did keto in the first place, let me just say this, was because now I know this was all because of like bodybuilding. But my hormones, my stomach, like everything was so messed up, and so I went to this um, functional medicine doctor who did what's it called? Where they push down on your applied kinesiology. Have you guys mm. heard of that? Yeah. If your arm moves, they push down on your arm, right? Yeah, real scientific, right? (laughs) When you're you're like desperate, you know, you're like, I'll try anything. So she would test these different foods, and everything that was left over was essentially a keto diet, right? Like it wasn't any grains, it wasn't any sugar, it wasn't. It was basically like fat and vegetables and like some protein. So I was like, you know, like let me just try this. Like she's saying that this is what my body can't tolerate and at that point I had no trust in my body whatsoever I've been ignoring it for so many years so I was like let me just try it and in the beginning of doing intuitive eating it was like okay well I'm trying to be intuitive but also give my body what it's asking for so I think that's where the like confusion was with that it wasn't like well let me do keto to lose weight it was like this is what I think my body should be eating type of thing but now I'm like oh all of the digestion and the anxiety and the um, whatever else that came along with it was part of like the recovery process, like the bloating and all that stuff. Like I don't have intolerances to all of these foods. I just right. need to slowly work them back in. 
So that's, that's how a, I got into <laughs> That's such a key thing that you bring up though. Cause I have that conversation a lot with people that like, oh, I should go on the FODMAP diet. Cause I have all of these issues with my stomach. Like no, mm-hmm. you've actually just been dieting for your whole life. Right. But- and that's where it's tricky because it's like some people do have foods that like don't right. make them feel good, but it's like, we really need to like lay a solid foundation and strengthen your relationship with food before you can start to maybe play with some of that stuff. Right. Like let's get you squared away and then we'll see if things are still going on, you know? So true. So I was, as you guys were talking, I was was writing down questions because I think one of the biggest things that, you know, we really haven't talked about, especially with a dietitian um, at all on this podcast is really just, you know, how your relationship with movement changed and like exercise, fitness, however you want to call it um, in this context, right? Because that was really a huge part of your identity. And now I've like creepily like gone all the way down on your Instagram page. And like, there's so much inspiration on here because, you know, it's very clear. And I was, was, and still am very much the same way as I still struggle personally in like an identity outside of being a part of something in fitness, right? Because for my Mm -hmm. whole life, I was a soccer player or a this player, or at Penn State, I even thought I could try out for the team. Like I didn't make it, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Right, like people ask like, did you play volleyball at Penn State? I'm like, I definitely did not play volleyball at Penn State. But you know, for so long, you know, when I lived in Hoboken, like Sammy, remember UFC gym was like my place, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have, we were, we were, out there together. But, you know, long story short, I feel like community and identity connected to fitness and then that transition out of it as, you know, physically you might change, but mentally you changed as well. How did that go for you? And how do you connect it now? You know, it's interesting to look back on because I used to be, I was doing the dietitian thing. I got into bodybuilding and then I was doing like the personal training thing. I was still kind of working with people online, doing like nutrition, whatever I would call it. Now. <laughs> but I was still, my main thing was I was a trainer. So um, obviously like in the like peak of my bodybuilding days, I was at Equinox. I would always work out. You know, I would always lift. I would always do cardio. My cardio would change based on how far I was out from a show. Um, And then once I got into this, it was like, I remember some days being like, I don't feel like working out. And I remember one of the trainers was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, you're not going to work out then? And I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to. (laughs) And so honestly, like towards the end of my time at Equinox, I think it was a place that I had to remove myself from because fitness culture is so wrapped up. It's just like diet culture for the most part, obviously Mm -hmm. fitness and movement and exercise can can and and is for most people like a great thing you know to incorporate and you know obviously there's so many benefits with that but being in an environment where so many people competed you know that was something like all equinox locations kind of have their own different uh like vibe or everyone's just kind of dirt like what's the word i'm looking for they've got their own culture yeah Yeah, they've got their own culture basically and when i was at was a lot of people did bodybuilding and so it was basically like in order for me to i honestly think i'm like if i didn't leave i don't know if i'd be um fully recovered or like i had to get out of that environment it was just always talking about are my abs showing like do i look like i have water that i'm holding on to or like, like i see pictures I, I like a picture came up the other day. It was like four years ago or something. And it was like two of us like flexing. And I remember 
the trainer saying something about it being like our off season and looking fluffy. And I look at that picture and I'm like, <laughs> that does not, that's what fluffy <laughs> looks like. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, wow, that was me. Like that does not look fluffy. But so I think removing myself from that um, environment was a really huge thing for me. I moved into, um, independent training. So I just worked out of like a, like a, a gym that you rent space for, for the hour. So I worked with my clients there. You know, I, I don't, that is something that I still feel like I search for, especially now during this time where it's like, mm. I, I loved Equinox and I love the people there and the community. And now being in private practice, obviously I love the people that I work with and I can connect with people virtually, but having coworkers or, you know, other people around you physically, you know, is something that's, I think, a little bit challenging when you're working in private practice. Um, but I think, you know, like I said, stepping away from that environment was really, really big for me, but I do still train or I was training before this just in a, a different gym. Um, I don't work with clients that are just trying to lose weight. You know, like most of my clients are just, they just want to be strong and they wouldn't work out if it wasn't for me. So they want, you know what I mean? Like they want to just get some movement in because they know that it is healthy for them and that it makes them feel good. And it's not about like, oh, I want to grow my biceps or I want to grow my this or that, which like if people have those goals, like those are fine, but it just doesn't align with what I do anymore, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So I was just writing down a question. Too. I feel like we're just like I taking totally. I'm just well because I feel like so many things are coming to mind, and I think going off of that previous question, obviously we know that your reach is so far on social media, and you've grown, and you're touching so many lives with your message. And I think a lot of people can connect to your story because we know in the bodybuilding world that a lot of disordered eating behaviors or eating disorder is present. So I think a lot of people yeah. can connect. So it's how has it been with your transition with kind of going off of that with your gym community that you previously were, um, you know, friends with and, and acquaintances with, like, have you seen like yourself, like planting seeds in their lives and anyone kind of come over to the other side, the grass is greener side. So I don't know if, I mean, I have a friend who, um, who I was speaking about earlier and, and her relationship and stuff. And we were very much in the same boat with like, um, we did bodybuilding together. That's how I met her. We would like Snapchat each other in the morning when we were doing like fasted cardio. Like we were the only person, the other one knew, like the only person that we had to go to when we binged or purged, like no one else knew. So she was very much like my support in that. But I think too, she's kind of been making that transition as well towards a more intuitive, more like knowing that there's more than the number on your scale type of thing. Like she's still more into fitness than I would consider myself, but definitely changing her direction with that. And I think as far as like everyone else that I was close with before and knew that I did the bodybuilding thing, I think when I've, because I've shared that, like I had an eating disorder and the time was like, troubling and challenging for me that people tend to be like really supportive and really nice and they're like I'm really happy to see the direction that your page has gone in like I love it it's great like and I'm happy to hear that you're in a good place versus like well what about this you used to be into fitness like no one really does that you know what I mean right. that's, <laughs> that's so awesome. good I feel like that's rare um I also see too and I mean I think you and Sam do this so well I actually texted Sam this week because I had like my first troll on my Instagram page and I was like how do I answer this <laughs> but I think that you do a great job of really like 
not clapping back, but like answering people in a very positive way to really push your message <laughs> forward. But how do you deal with, you know, any social media type, I don't know about hate, but no, that's that what it is. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Absolutely. I think people on your post about Noom specifically, I think that's when yeah. I was prepping for this episode was reading the assigning food a color is a creative way to label it. You know, I think there was a lot, I mean, there's 78 comments on here and a lot of them are um, responses. I think, I think what I'm trying to say is I think you do a great job of redirecting the conversation. Um, but you know, where does that come from for you or, you know, how do you deal with that? Honestly, like to be completely transparent, like it really bothers me and it really <laughs> like takes a toll on me. Like I will, like, I feel like there's been so many times where like Nick and I will be walking around like, oh, I can't believe that person said that. Like, but don't I try to do, like, I feel like I try so hard to say things in like a very specific way. And then I'm like, somehow I said it the wrong way. And it really pisses me off. Cause I'm like, I tried so hard to like not do that. And it's like, no matter what you do, someone's going to disagree with you or not see it from your point of view. And I think what I said earlier, like I try to think back and remember when before I knew what this was, how if I had seen this message, I probably would have just scrolled past it, which I don't know why more people don't do, where it's like, you don't like my message, you don't have to follow me, that's fine. <laughs> but I think people are just trying to like, you know, start conversations. But if I had seen that back in, you know, my bodybuilding day, I probably would have raised an eyebrow as well. Um, but it definitely is something that I'm like, I need to not let it affect me as much because it really, it bothers me because you're like trying to do good and you're trying so hard to help people. And then people say things like that. And you're just like, it's really discouraging sometimes, you know? And I think, I don't know if it's because they think people don't like read the comments or see all of the comments, but you do, you see all of them. Like you try to be active on there because like that's part of your business and stuff. But I mean, the comment yesterday with that noon page, like I didn't feel too bad about that considering the only people defending it were people that worked for the company. Right. Like it wasn't like <laughs> anyone that, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. But then they made a good point. They're like, well, specific people follow you. So maybe that's why and I'm like, that's true. But I don't know, Sam, what do you, what do you think about that? How do you like, does it bother you or am I just overly yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a great question. I think it's a great answer. And my answer to Jenna, and it, it I've come a long way in this. I think if you would have asked me this like a day ago, a month ago, I think it depends on the day, but the way I yeah. kind of approach it is like, how, like what's going to best serve me. And I try to create boundaries, which I'm still working on with my therapist, but you yeah. know, from a point of what's going to protect you, because sometimes when you, see, depending on how bad the hate is or how um, mean the message is, like you, you can tell that responding back might Won't not do serve, right? Yeah. So in yeah. that sense, I just delete and, delete block, and block because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not <laughs> worth it. But then there are times where, and I think a lot of times now, people are really good about like if they're truly interested in intuitive eating and the haze health at every size model, they'll kind of preface the question and say like, you know, I don't mean any harm by this. I just don't. Right. I'm just genuinely it. curious. Yes. Yeah. Which is awesome. And I think that's what you probably get a lot more of too, because if anything, we just, people unfollow us if they're not interested in the message. But when like Jenna had a very hateful comment yesterday and a very fat phobic comment, so it just gets to the point where it's like, you just, you, you don't Lock need them. that. It doesn't serve you yeah. as much as like what I think 
I actually brought this up with Evelyn Triboli in our group supervision. And I'm like, but I just want to help everyone. <laughs> like, you know, when you know the good word and like you want to serve people, but you have to yeah. make sure you're serving yourself because it can yeah. really tear you down and it can really, um, it doesn't help you best serve others. So yeah, I think we all work on that though. Cause social media is just, it's so consuming and TikTok really is like is. a whole nother beast where like those comments and that they're like, so I different, can't. right? It's, they're different. It's interesting. I was just thinking about that because I just started going like just started posting on there and I'm like, I'm feeling I'm trying to feel it out because I have a pretty good understanding. I like I, I get Instagram, I get how it works, I know how the comments tend to be. But on TikTok, I'm like, I can't tell if this is like sarcasm or like <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know what this even means. And then it's like, I don't know, like you're, you're so right though. Like, I feel like I do, I do a good job with that on Instagram where like, if someone's just flat out being a jerk, I don't care. Like, I don't need you to follow me, delete it, unblock it. I have no problem doing that. Yeah. But when someone seems like they're open to having conversation at least, and like, you can maybe inform them, like, then I think that's worth it. But even still sometimes with that, I'm like, I can't do this all day. I can't just no. sit here and I do it too much. I'm like, and maybe now more so because we're stuck at home and there's <laughs> not really anything else to do anyways, but it's like, it's so time consuming. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't, I, I kind of want to ask you guys, you guys a question with how do you guys set boundaries around people asking too many questions? You know what I mean? Where it's almost like, I'm happy to answer questions and everything, but almost like it feels slightly like too much. Do you know what like I'm getting at? Advantage of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. For me personally, and just from like being, I've, I've been in a mentorship for two years now for nutrition coaching, and one of the things that I've always been taught is like you can never give away too much free knowledge. If somebody wants, like, you know, how would I cook this sweet potato? Like, cool, I can share a recipe. I can do this stuff. But sure. at the end of the day, if someone needs help and they're asking these questions that are so specific to them, it's our duty to share with them our applications to work with us. Because at the yeah. end of the day, you're only going to help somebody on a one-on-one -on -one level like that. Or I know you both have group programs. So like if they're appropriate for your group or if they're appropriate for anything that you have to offer, at the end right. of the day, if they're asking these questions, they're invested in you and they have a need that you know you can fill. Yeah. And you're almost doing them a disservice by just giving them free information instead of giving them like the application for it. Right. Yeah. And I don't mean like your application to type in, but like how to apply that knowledge to their lives. And I think right. now with my personal, like change and I've been on TikTok since we recorded an episode like six or seven months ago. And the dietitian was like, get on TikTok now. And I did. And it's been decently successful. And, you know, I get a lot of messages on TikTok that are like, how do I do this? How do I not diet? And I, I tell them like, in order for me to help you fill yeah. out this paperwork so we can have a conversation because otherwise, how do you answer that? in a 30, right. it's like, I don't know anything about you. Yeah. It's, it's not as simple not as, like you said, how do I bake a sweet potato? Like, it's right. not that straightforward. Yeah. Get an air fryer. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. That's true. 
I'm the same. I'll just, I kind of, whether I, I more so use the voice cause I can't like the voice memos cause I hate typing. But oh I'll, yeah. Yeah. I've been using those. So I'll just, and I know we, I think that's how I first started chatting with you. I was like driving. I was like, hi. Hey, <laughs> it's so much factor. Yeah. But I think it's too, yeah. Like, and we legally can't really be giving nutrition advice or medical advice without a health history, diet history, et cetera. So, right. you know, if it's one little question, sure. But if it becomes like, and you've both had it where there's just paragraph upon paragraph upon paragraph and a direct message. And it's like their first yes. message to you. It's like, right. I feel humbled that they feel open enough to comfortable <laughs> and vulnerable enough to share that much, but that's where of course more help is needed. So yeah, yeah, definitely sure. that's a good point. second Jenna's Jenna's answer there. Yeah. <laughs> good. So cool. I think that, you know, we've covered these incredibly powerful topics today in such like a high level way. I want to have you back to cover so much more, but like the last piece that we really didn't dive into is just the mental health piece that's connected here, right? And I know from personal experience that my own, when I was air quotes shredded, it was the least healthy I've ever been in my life. And I can confidently say that my mom and I were having a conversation today and she's like, and yeah, you know, you were dealing with so much trauma and shame and all of these things. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's like, nice of her oh, to acknowledge that. that. <laughs> I love her to death. But like hearing that out loud, like, yeah, like she's right. But yeah. you know, I know that that is something that we didn't really like, we kind of glazed over, but if anybody's listening right now and is in bodybuilding or in competition or, you know, still chasing an unrealistic size, right. Or shape or whatever you want to call it. What is, how would you speak to them about taking care of their mind? And like, what, to, what are those steps? What does that look like? Well, I always say the interesting thing about that is, and that's kind of like what my whole feel good approach thing is about, where it's like, we want a smaller body because we think we're going to feel good once we have it. But the ironic thing is like, most people feel like complete garbage when they're dieting, right? Like feeling being shredded like that, nothing about that was comfortable. Like I didn't go to the beach. I didn't want to go to the beach. Didn't want to have sex. You have no sex drive. You're in a bad mood all the time. Your hormones are messed up. So you don't feel physically good. So it's just kind of crazy how like we think it will bring us something when it actually really doesn't. Um, but using like, okay, how does the journey feel? How does it feel when you're trying to get there? Because if it feels miserable while you're doing it. It's going to feel miserable when you're there. Hmm. So how can we, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> how do you, like, what are, what would be the first step that you would tell someone to do to like transition out of that mindset and like taking care of their mental health? Like, I know personally, I used a therapist and I still do. I know uh -huh. does as well, but I mean, is that part of like that journey for you or was that instrumental in, I hate to call it like your transition, but like in the change that you sought out? Yeah. I mean, it's all like in our minds, right? It's really about like, what beliefs do we hold and are they really serving us? Right? Like we hold the belief that being thinner is better. Okay. Well, let's challenge that. Let's look at what your life experience has shown you. How do you feel when you do that? You don't feel good when you were thinner or you were whatever, like, were you actually in a good place mentally? No. And like, how can we start to reframe the way that you're thinking about things and, and, and start to shift your beliefs around things and move in a different direction? That's so good. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I guess before we wrap up, I'm looking at the time that went by so fast. Sam, do you have any final yeah, What time is it? Oh, wow. That was an hour? I, got, I know. It went by so fast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, my story took half an hour, so that makes sense. so good and so powerful. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we always love to end the episode. I feel like we've had so many, but we love to end each episode with a nutrition tipsy, we call it, or tip of the day. So just regarding everything we chatted about for anybody who's listening or anyone that you just start to have a conversation with that's interested in intuitive eating, what would be like your biggest takeaway for them or just a general tip for them to kind of sum up? I think my general tip would be to trust your body that it's smarter than a lot of us give it credit. Um, and start to listen to your gut and that intuition that we all have. I think especially as women, we're very connected with that. And sometimes it gets labeled as being emotional, but I think that those emotions are feedback from our body telling us that something is right for us or wrong for us. So if anything that you're doing, whether it's in your relationships or the way that you're eating or some action or job you're going to take or whatever it is, if you get that feeling in your stomach where it's like something feels off, this doesn't feel right, listen to that because that is your guidance system and just do whatever you can right now in this moment to just feel a little bit better. That's what this feel good mentality is about. Like, can you do literally anything right now that's going to move you in the direction of just feeling a little bit better? It doesn't have to be oh my gosh, I'm having such a bad day. Like, let me flip it around and tell myself I love my body so much. Like that's going to be too big of a jump, right? Can you think of anything that's going to make you feel slightly better? Oh, look, a dog. That tree's really pretty. <laughs> like literally anything. Because that's going to move you in the direction that you want to go. And then more of the same is going to be attracted to you. So listen to your intuition and trust what your body is telling you. I love that. That's it. <laughs> and so- for people that are listening, and I know we've said it a few times, but where can people find you, Lauren, if they want to learn more? Sure. Um, on Instagram, it's Feel the Dietitian. Verified. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's two T's, not a C. Um, or uh, www.laurencadillac.com. Cadillac's just like the car. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being vulnerable with us and our listeners. Sure. For sure. I am an open book. All for time. helping so many people. We appreciate Aww, thank you guys for having me. This is so much fun. We are. Thank you. All right. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there, and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 